You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Hope for a Troubled World, The Angels, is part three in the series, The Songs of Christmas, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. I don't know when I've enjoyed the uh, Songs of Christmas any more than this morning. Man, I needed that. Uh, What a great time of worship together, and uh, what we're singing about really is the hope of the world. Hey, I want to ask you to please find in your Bible Luke chapter 2, the Gospel of Luke, and chapter 2, we're going to read there uh, the first 14 verses in just a minute. Uh, But this month, we're looking up the lyrics of the original Christmas songs. There are four of them found in Luke chapters 1 and 2. Uh, There's the song of Mary, the song of Zacharias. Next week, you're going to hear about the song of Simeon, a great song. Today, probably the greatest of these four original Christmas songs. It's called the Gloria in Excelsis Deo, the song of the angels. Uh, Let's take a quick poll this morning uh, just to get us started. Uh, Christmas carols. I found a website that gave the top four Christmas carols that we sing at Christmas time. Uh, you may pick other ones, but this was on the internet, so it has to be true. Uh, so here are the four. What's your favorite? Is it Joy to the World, Silent Night, Oh Come All Ye Faithful, or Angels We Have Heard on High? Let's take a quick vote by show of hands. If your favorite of those four is Joy to the World, let me see your hand. All right, seven people. Uh, If your favorite is Silent Night, raise your hand. Where are my Silent Night people? Come on. Awesome. Number three, if your favorite is O Come All Ye Faithful. Let me see your hand. A lot of our students like that song. And then last, if your favorite is Angels We Have Heard On High. That's the one that has that long phrase that... Most people have to stop right in the middle of the word and take a breath. Gloria in excelsis Deo. It means glory to God in the highest. Um, I've thought about that song a lot in the last couple of weeks. Because that song contains that line from the original Christmas song in Luke chapter 2 that says, Glory to God. Gloria in excelsis Deo in Latin. Glory to God in the highest. Uh, in fact, um, you know, churches have sung that song since it was written in the 1800s. And everybody has recorded that song. I made it a little project over the last few days to listen to as many uh, covers of that song, Angels We Have Heard On High, as I possibly could. And so I've listened to a lot of them. Many of them are awesome. Some of them are not. I've heard, uh, let me just give you some of my favorites. Amy Grant, classic rendition of Angels We Have Heard on High. Uh, Pentatonics, really good uh, 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 cover of that song. Uh, Christina Aguilera, don't waste your time. I listen to so many country, rock, all kinds of old standards. Uh, The most interesting one I heard was from a Brazilian heavy metal band singing that song. It wasn't bad. It really wasn't bad. 
the worst one I heard, there's a tie for worst in my mind. A guy uh, played the tune to that great Christmas carol uh, on a flute that he made out of a stalk of broccoli. And then probably the worst is a version that I heard from a horror punk band out of Indiana called Grave Robber. Don't Google it. Please do not listen to that song. Uh, you will not be blessed. Uh, here's the thing. However you hear that song, whenever you sing it, you end up hearing that line from the original Christmas song that was first sung by angels to the shepherds, and it says, glory to God in the highest. So uh, let's begin reading uh, sort of the backstory in Luke 2, verse 1. Very familiar, never gets old. Luke 2, 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea. Now it says up from Galilee, even though when you look at it on a map, he's going south. But it was up in elevation, right? Like people in Knoxville come up to Gatlinburg. That's the idea. Uh, into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. That's her due date. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Uh, so you know the story. The Roman authorities called for a census for the purpose of taxation. Everyone was required to go to their ancestral hometown uh, to register with the government. Since Mary and Joseph were both uh, born in the tribe of Judah and the line or the family of David, the king, they had to go to the town called the city of David where David was born and raised called Bethlehem. Normally, and I, I looked this up, the best I can find historically is that normally only the male head of the household would have to go for something like that. He would just uh, account for the wife and kids. They didn't all have to come. Uh, but Mary went with him. And I think, uh, in my, at least in my imagination, I think uh, I know a good reason why. I can picture Mary saying, Joseph, don't you leave me in Nazareth. This baby's coming, and soon. And so don't leave me here, because we are in this together. The angel told you, like the angel told me, and we're in this thing together. I'm not having this baby without you by my side. So I'm going. And so, uh, as all the husbands in the room know, wives can be very persuasive, and she went. Turns out that was according to to the will and the plan of the Lord for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. So they made the trip 70 or 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. When they get there, the place is slammed with people. 
It's like Pigeon Forge on a rod run weekend. There's nowhere to stay and Mary goes into labor. Uh Uh-oh. Now, there are a lot of traditions and stories that we've sort of attached to what Scripture says. But the Gospel of Luke just keeps it very subtle and simple in verse 7. When that moment happened, all it says in verse 7 is that she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger. Now, we can talk all we want, and it's fun, about innkeepers and little drummer boys and, and uh, donkeys and sheep and stables and all of those things. But all we are really told in Scripture is that Jesus was born and laid in a manger. I think the point of that is that these were first-time parents doing the best they could in a bad situation. They were just trying to find shelter anywhere they can find it. And where they found it was not an ideal place to have a baby, not by a long shot. But doesn't that just highlight the fact that Jesus did not come into this world into wealth, but rather into poverty? And and that Jesus was not born in a fancy place in an in a, a important city. He was born into humble circumstances in a small town. And Jesus did not come to famous parents, but rather to humble peasants. And the first throne on earth of King Jesus was not a golden bassinet in a palace somewhere, but it was, as we just sang, a cradle in the dirt, a place where nobody would want to put a baby. Uh, In verse 8, the Bible says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. This was a a visible manifestation of, of uh, the, the presence of God. And, and, and it came in the form of photons, light that could be seen shining around them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. That's good news of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, and here's the song, glory to God in the highest. In Latin, gloria in excelsis Deo. And on earth, peace, goodwill, Toward men. Reading that never gets old, does it? It just doesn't. Angels show up from heaven and, and all heaven breaks loose in that field and, and the sky is filled with praise. All these angels are singing. Uh, it's the greatest moment in human history at that point. Uh, I, I try to imagine what it would be like to stand there and listen as a host of angels sings in perfect harmony, 
perfect tune in ways that we probably have never even dreamed about harmonizing. And they're just singing that like only angels could sing it. I was wondering this morning, what if we got our band up here and we just packed every seat in this worship center with the greatest singers who have ever lived? I'm talking about Andrea Bocelli. His version is incredible. I'm talking about uh, Christina Aguilera and Pentatonics and even that guy uh, with the weird broccoli flute and and, uh, and the punk band and everybody, if we got them all in here, all the greats, all singing their very best, that song of the angels, I don't think it would even come close to what those shepherds heard in that field that night. It's the greatest moment in the world because in that moment, the declaration was made that hope has come to this troubled world. When Jesus was born, hope was made available for this troubled world. You can't just read that and move on like nothing happened. You have to stop there a little and consider what's going on. So let's just do that. Let's talk for a few minutes about the angels and the shepherds. That angelic song was sung. That announcement was first made to shepherds. And that just begs the question of all the people that the angels could have appeared to and made that announcement and sang that song. Why did they choose the shepherds? Why did God send them to shepherds? And uh, I, I think, and this is probably familiar to you, but I think probably for a few reasons. One is that uh, Israel's greatest king was a shepherd. And they were in his town, the city of David. That's where David was born and raised. David, who a thousand years prior to that had watched sheep in those same fields of Bethlehem. And he didn't look much like a king back then, but he grew up to become the greatest king that Israel had known. The angel told Mary, Jesus, your son is going to be a king. The angel said the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And when Jesus was born in David's town, he didn't look much like a king at first either. So maybe that's the reason. Another reason that they came to the shepherds first is that Jesus called himself the good shepherd. In John 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Maybe Jesus just is being identified at his birth with those shepherds as a foreshadowing of the fact that he was going to come along and say, I'm going to be your good shepherd to all those who follow him. And he certainly is. He is the good shepherd. And then maybe it has something to do with the status of shepherds in society in those days. In the first century, it's just a fact. Shepherds were not well thought of. They were looked down upon. Shepherding was not a job you would try to get. It's a job you would end up with. Uh, they were... They were on the lower end of the social scale. And, and isn't that the point of Jesus coming? Think about it. That God skipped over 
all the religious leaders. He skipped over all the rich and the powerful and important people. And he made sure that the lowly and the humble were the first to know that he had arrived. That God sent his son for everyone, the poor, the outcast, and even the shepherds of the world. The shepherds. Uh, let's think also about the angels for a minute. Uh, we're only a chapter and a half into the Gospel of Luke. Already, angels have appeared three times. Angels are real. Angels are not human. Angels are created beings, heavenly beings created by God to serve Him, to praise God, and on rare occasions to deliver messages to people here on earth. If you read the Gospels, you will find that angels were very active around the major moments of the life of Jesus. His birth, his temptation in the desert, angels were there. His prayer in Gethsemane, the angels were there. His resurrection, angels were there too. And then if you read about the second coming of Christ, angels are going to be uh, all over the place when that happens. Picture the scene in verse 9 as the angel suddenly appears standing between the shepherds and their flock of sheep that they're watching and the glory of the Lord lights up the night around them and the shepherds did what you and I would probably do and that is they got scared. They were terrified. In verse 9 in the original language it says they were phobia megaphobia. That means afraid, very afraid. Afraid with a great fear is what it means. And then in verse 10, the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. Think about what the angel said. This really hit me as I was studying this. Think about what the angel said. To those who were in great fear, phobia, megaphobia, they were greatly afraid. To those in great fear, the angel said, there's going to come great joy. Uh, I drew out a little diagram to help us think through this today. On the one side, these are opposites, right? There's great fear. On the other side, great joy. The angel said to those in great fear, there's going to be great joy. What was the great fear for those shepherds? Well, it was really the fear of the unknown. They had never seen an angel before. They never interacted with an angel before. They must have thought, well, everything I've heard about angels, this angel's bringing a message. What if it's bad news? And what if this angel is here to just kill us? I mean, what if God has gotten fed up with all the sin in the world and he's just going to take us out right now? It was the fear of the unknown. What if? They didn't know. For us, our great fear are all of those what ifs that we worry about, all the things our mind can come up with that could happen and worry us and trouble us. And it's, it's all kinds of things in our world today. What if these wars in Israel and Ukraine get worse and worse and the big dogs get into the fight and, and it comes to our shores? What are we going to do? What if that happens? Uh, what if... The economy tanks. What if 
The elections don't go the way I think they ought to go. And, and then there are the what-ifs of our personal lives that we, we worry about every day. What if I get sick and they can't do anything about it? What if my parents get divorced? What if I fail this class? What if my child rebels? What if I lose my job? What if I don't have enough money to retire? All of the what-ifs that keep us up at night and worry us and depress us, that's our great fear. But the angel said that there can be the opposite of a great fear, and that is great joy. Great joy comes when, when there is a, a, this deep down hope and, and assurance that there are no what-ifs to be afraid of. Because God's taken care of all the what-ifs, and that I am loved, and that I'm not alone, and that God's going to work it out. No matter what life throws at me, that I'm going to be okay, and that, and that my future is secure with Him. That's great joy. It's the opposite of that great fear where all the what-ifs are looming over us. Instead, we can have great joy where there are no what-ifs that we have to be scared of. Only a God who is sovereignly in control and who loves us and walks with us. How can you get that? Here's the question. For most people, it's a great big question mark between those two things. How can you have that kind of joy, a joy that is so great that it sort of cancels out all of the great fears and all of the what-ifs of our life? How can you get that kind of great joy when, you're, when you find yourself living and worrying about all these great fears? What goes in that box in the middle? What can possibly get you there? What are you going to put in that box? You know, people, you, you see it. People put all kinds of things in that box to try to find joy. To try to get past the fears. To try to hedge and take care of the what-ifs that frighten us. Uh, but here, here's what we learned from that angel. Listen to this. You cannot move from great fear to great joy until you discover the good news. Look again at what the angel said. The angel said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people. You cannot move from great fear to great joy unless you have the good news. And so, Here's what I want to do uh, in the time we have left. I'm going to give you three headlines of good news from the angels. And I've sort of buried the lead today because this is the really good part right here at the end. Here we go. Three headlines of good news from the angels. Remember, this is the only way. It's the only thing you can put in that box that will get you there is the good news that Jesus has been born. Here, here are three headlines. Number one is that a Savior has come. A Savior 
has come. The angel said in verse 11, unto you is born this day a, a Savior. This is such good news because it reverses the bad news that we all know. And that is that we are messed up and we have wrecked this world and we wreck our relationships with each other and, and we are all sinners who stand deserving the judgment of God against our sin. We deserve death and we cannot save ourselves from sin. No matter what we try to put in that box, we cannot overcome the things that we have done, all of our sin. But our, here's the good news. Our Savior has come. He's here, available. He, he's come. You can be, what that means is you can be forgiven. You can be set free from sin. You can be pardoned from that sentence of death. And Jesus, our Savior, can bring you to life and he can get you there. It's the only way. That's good news. Our Savior has come. Salvation, remember, salvation cannot be earned. It can only be received. It's a gift of God's grace. And so we receive that good news and we can be saved. The second headline is this. Not only has a Savior come, but you can meet Him. You can meet Him. The angel said in verse 12 to those shepherds, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Go find him. You don't have to stand off at a distance. You don't have to fill out a form and wait to see if you qualify to go to him. Go find him. You can meet him. Jesus is not off limits. This is what the angel was saying. Jesus is not off limits to you. He came for you. He's lying in a manger for heaven's sake. He didn't come for perfect people who have their lives put together. He came for sinners and failures and people with regrets and people who struggle and people who are unqualified and, and people who have nothing to bring to him but their sin and the broken pieces of their lives. That's who he came for. So you can meet him. The angel said he's lying in a manger. Go! He's not inaccessible. You're not going to have to fight your way through layers of security to get to him. You can meet him. He came for you. Jesus came, and this is the point, isn't it? Jesus came for people like us so that we could come as we are. Think about that. That we can come as we are and be forever changed by His grace. Isn't that good? So, three headlines. Number one, a Savior has come. Number two, you can meet Him. And, and the third is really the theme of this short song that the angels sang. And that is that He brings peace. He brings peace. The theme of this angel song is giving glory and praise to God. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest, they sang. Why? Because there's peace on earth. Giving glory and praise to God for bringing peace into the world. Question, why did, why did that idea motivate those angels to sing like they did? 
about peace. What does that peace mean? Well, uh, we could start with world peace, um, but that's not coming until Jesus returns someday in his second advent, his second coming. The prophet Micah tells us that. Micah 4.1 says, It shall come to pass in the latter days, that is when Jesus comes back again, that they shall beat their swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That's not here yet. That's coming when Jesus returns. Until that time... There may be temporary peace in the world. There may be peace treaties in the world, declarations of peace. But until Jesus returns, what we can expect is conflict after conflict, war after war. We need something now. We need peace now, like up close on a personal level. And and what we need is what the Bible calls the peace of God. Maybe this is more along the lines of what the angels were singing about, the peace of God. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Doesn't that sound good? The peace of God guarding your heart and mind from everything that's going on in the world, everything in your life. How'd you like to have peace? The assurance that no matter what happens in 2024, No matter what life throws at you in 2024, God is going to be with you. God's not going to leave you hanging. God's not going to walk out on you. God's going to take care of you. That's peace, knowing that. But that peace is only possible because of what Jesus came to do on a deeper level in you. And so I think this must be the peace that the angels were singing about. Uh, you can read about it in Romans 5.1. Listen to these words. The Bible says we have peace with God. This is different than the peace of God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we need peace with God? And, and this, is, this is the story the Bible tells us. We need peace with God because we are all born sinners, separated from God, enemies with God because of our sin. And the only way to make things right with Him, the only way to make peace with Him is out of our reach. On our own, what it would take to make peace with God is out of our reach because what that would take is that we would have to offer to Him a perfect life. And none of us has that to offer. We're all imperfect. We're all sinners. We're all messed up. And so how can we we make peace with God if we can't offer Him a perfect life in exchange for salvation? The only way is what precipitated Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. And that is that God looked down into this world, loved us, and sent His only Son to live that perfect life and to go to the cross and present Himself as a sacrifice for us, a bunch 
of sinners so that we could be saved and forgiven forever. Jesus made peace for us. I want to close with a true story that I think I've shared with you before, but it's so good I want to share it again. There's a book that I've read several times because it's so good and it's impacted the way that I look at um, redemption and salvation. And it's called The Peace Child. It was written by a uh, missionary in the 1960s named Don Richardson. Richardson and his wife went to, uh, they really risked their lives going to Indonesia, into the jungles to reach a group of people with the gospel called the Sawi people, S-A-W-I. These were people who lived isolated from uh, modern things and they were cannibalistic headhunters. And, and yet God had put it on Richardson and his wife on their heart to go and reach these people with the gospel. So uh, the, these people were, it was hard. These people were uh, bloodthirsty, full of revenge, treacherous, constantly in a blood feud with neighboring villages, neighboring tribes. They had no written language. And so what Don Richardson would do is he would climb up into these tree houses they built four stories high in the jungle, and he would sit there and talk through the story of Jesus. But that bombed because these people were so evil in their thinking. When he told them the story of Jesus' death on the cross, they thought Judas Iscariot was the hero of the story. Judas, who betrayed his friend with a kiss, they thought that's the pinnacle of manhood. And so they thought he was the hero. So Don was frustrated. He, he knew, God, you've got to give me a key to unlock these people, to share the gospel with them. Uh, but what is it going to be? He discovered that key once when there were two villages locked in a blood feud. Uh, he pleaded for them to make peace. People were dying. They were killing one another. And finally, they did make peace in a tragic and, and emotional ritual. Here's what they did. The warriors from each tribe lined up in a, in a line facing each other. And uh, the chief of one of the villages took from the arms of his wife his baby boy, his only son. And he took that boy and walked down the row of his warriors and had each one of them reach out and touch the baby. And then he took that baby and presented it to the chief of the opposing tribe. And that chief received that baby, gave it to a woman in his village to raise for life. And immediately, everybody, both sides, started jumping up and down and celebrating. And Don Richardson said, what just happened? And they told him, our tradition is that once that peace child is given and received, as long as the child lives, there will be peace between our tribes. And Don Richardson thought, there it is. Jesus, he explained to them, Jesus 
is our peace child. God gave his only son. And as long, if you receive him as long as he lives, forever, as long as he lives, you can have peace with God if you receive him. Many of them were saved. And uh, do I even have to say it? The same grace that it took to save those cannibalistic headhunters is the same grace that it takes to save you and me. What got the angels so fired up is that peace on earth is available. We can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's stand together. And I want us to have a time of prayer and commitment today. As you stand, would you just join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, I, I want to thank you for your word today, for the song of the angels, for the truth that we hear in it, that there can be peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That we don't have to be afraid of the what-ifs of life. But you can bring us into a position of great joy no matter what happens. That we're loved and we're saved and we're forgiven and you're going to take care of us forever. Because of this good news, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into the world, for giving your life. Lord, for some here today... Because of all the worries and the troubles and the what-ifs, they're sort of going through the motions today. It's hard to be joyful with everybody else. And Lord, I pray for them that you would do that thing that only you can do. And that is that you would, you would speak peace to their heart, lift their burden, help them. Lord, some have never before taking that step of faith to receive your peace child, the Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, today would be the day that they turn from their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior, our hope. Thank you for this good news. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.